Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. So if you have your Bibles tonight, and turn to me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. We're going to get into the Word of God tonight. I'm going to preach a little bit, teach a little bit, but in the end, God will get the glory. Amen. I'm going to start at verse 25 and read that. But it's a familiar story that we all are aware of. You know, Jesus, when he taught, he taught in parables. And in the book of Luke, Luke always centered on the parables that Jesus taught. Starting at verse 25, it reads, Now this older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he, the servant, said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he, the older son, was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he, the son, answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fattest cat for him. The father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your presence in the house. Oh God, we pray that your word will go forth. To these your people, O Heavenly Father, not returning to you void, but accomplish that which you send it out. We pray that you open the ears that they might hear, open the eyes that they might see what you have in store for them, O Heavenly Father. Lord, we pray that hearts will be convicted. We pray that forgiveness and restoration will take place, O God. And we also ask, oh God, at this time that you will show the love and grace to everyone who is seeking, everyone who is going through it, oh Heavenly Father. We know, Lord, that you see all things, you know all things, and all things are not hidden from you. You know the needs of your people. And we here to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to preach from this topic a tale of two sons, and we're going to concentrate on the forgotten son. The forgotten son. 
If anyone has read a lot of the parables of Jesus, you, you know that this scripture is taken from the parable that we pretty much say is the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son. And I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of preaching on this subject. And it concentrates on the, young, the one son who, you know the story, he came to his father one day and asked his father to give him his portion of the inheritance. And his father granted his wish and his request. And when he got all that the father had for him, he packed himself up, went to a foreign land and wasted everything that the father had given him. And it said after a time, everything that he had was soon gone. It's funny that when you have a lot, you have a lot of people around you. Amen? It's funny that when things are going good, your friends are always there. Your friends are there to share in what you have, but the, but the scripture says soon everything that he had was gone. He was alone. His friends had abandoned him. There was no one there to help him in his time of need. And the scripture says that soon a famine came in the land. Sometimes we go through life and we have our good times and we are at a point where we're doing everything right and we're doing things the way we think we need to be doing we just having a good time and enjoying life but lo and behold there are going to be times in our lives when a famine will come amen and it said that the famine was so bad that the son didn't have anything to eat because he had lost everything he had squandered all that he had inherited from his father. It had gotten to a point to where he had to go and find work. And the work that he did was to go out and, sweep and, and feed pigs. And it's, and it's strange because being an Israelite, being, a pigs were not a type of animal that they catered to, that they held on to. But it says here that he had to go out and find work while the famine was going on, and he went out feeding pigs. And it said that it, his life had gotten so bad and he had gotten so hungry that the food that he was feeding the pigs, he was willing to eat. But then the story says that he came to himself. How many times that we go through life and Sometimes the struggles and the, and the problems that we, we go through, we bring on ourselves. And, but the time comes when we come to ourselves and realize that something's got to change. We can't continue to go on in that same direction and expect something good to come out of it. So he made up in his mind that if he just went back home to his father's house, that even his, the servants in his father's house had enough to eat. He said, if I just go back home and offer myself to my father 
as just a servant, at least I have something to eat. So you know how the story goes. He went back, and on his way back, his father saw him afar off. And when his father saw him, he ran out to him, hugged him and grabbed him and kissed him and welcomed him back. He put a ring on him. He put a robe on him. He put sandals on his feet. He brought him back into sonship. Amen. He came back looking to be a servant, but his father brought him back into sonship. And he celebrated because he said, you were lost, but now you're found. You were dead, but now you are alive. We know that part of the story. But in this story, there's a second son. And I never heard any preaching dealing with the second son. And I always wonder why we skip around that. Why do we skip around that? This son is a son that Jesus made sure was mentioned in the story. But somehow or another, either we forget about this son or we just don't want to deal with him. Amen? But in order to really understand what this parable is talking about and what it really means, we have to look at the big picture of the story of why Jesus told this parable. See, chapter 15 of Luke is telling, uh, telling a story within a story. See, Luke is telling the story about what Jesus was tell, teaching. But Jesus was also still telling the story through the parable. So we have to look at the big picture of the, uh, uh, of the story that Luke is telling. Because in verse 1 of chapter 15, he tells us some things that are going on, that Jesus had an audience. Amen? And so we, in order to understand who the parable is talking about and who it is directed to, we have to look at the big picture. In verse 1 of chapter 15, it says, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. It kind of helps us understand the audience that Jesus was speaking to. See, everywhere Jesus went, he had an audience. Even if he started trying to teach his disciples, eventually a crowd grew near. Everybody in the crowd was not there for the same reason. There were some people in the crowd who wanted to know who this man was. There were some people in the crowd who were curious and interested in his teachings. But lo, there were some people in the crowd who were there not for the right reasons. They were there trying to trick Jesus. They were trying, there trying to find something against Jesus because they were not accepting of his message. See, Jesus was a revolutionary. He, he, he came bucking the system, <laughs> amen, that was there. And so everyone who was there listening to the stories, listening to the teachings wasn't there for the right reason and the same reason. 
The Pharisees were always there trying to find something against Jesus. So they always came trying to find something against him so that they could get him off the scene. And so when they came and saw that even the tax collectors and the sinners were coming and listening to Jesus and hearing the story of Jesus, they started complaining. They started accusing him of eating and uh, fellowshipping with sinners. But that's what Jesus was there for. He said, if you're, if you're sick, you need a physician. But if you're well, you don't need a physician. So he, that's what he was there for. He was there to make sure that those who were lost, those who were caught up in sin, those who had fallen away could get the message of salvation. Amen? So Jesus used parables. He used parables. And again, when we talk about the, the young son and the part of the young son was pretty much directed toward the tax collectors and the sinners. They knew what Jesus was talking about because they could relate to the son. Amen? The tax collectors knew that they weren't in fellowship with God. The sinners knew that they were not in, in fellowship with God. Matter of fact, all of us should be able to relate to that part of the story, that part of that son in the story, amen? Because at one time, we all were in their situation. In that same situation, we were in a faraway land, far from God. But he made a way back for us. And when we came to our senses, <laughs> amen, guess who was there looking for us? See, we didn't find God. God found us. But then in, in verse 11, we have to remember that verse 11 said he had, there's a certain man that had two sons. There's a second son that Jesus is talking about in the parable. The older son was the son who, when he found out that his brother was back home, became angry, became upset to the point that he didn't even want to participate in the celebration. When I look at it, when I look at this part of the story, this son was at the house, but he wasn't in the home. Amen? And sometimes we could be at the house, but the, the house is not a home. We could be in church and at the church, but this church is not our home. We don't, it's not really our home because we really haven't got to the point to where we accept the love and the grace of the father see not only was the younger son lost but the second and older son he was lost just as lost as the younger son even though he was at the house he was lost because he wasn't in the house and you could tell this by his conversation that he had with his father first of all the father had to go outside of the house 
and plead with the brother to come into the house and celebrate with him. But look what the, look what the brother said. He said, all these many years I have been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandments at any time, but yet you never gave me a young goat that I might have make merry with my friends. His request showed two things. First of all, it showed his disrespect toward his father. If he had realized the character of his father, if he really had a relationship with his father and recognized the character of his father, he wouldn't have been angry. Amen? Now the word teaches us that it's all right to get angry, but don't stay angry. Because you know what? Anger can turn into bitterness. And that's what I see here. The older brother was so angry at his father that he became bitter. But he wasn't also bitter at his father, he was also bitter about his brother. Because he didn't even really acknowledge his brother. Amen? Matter of fact, he didn't even call him his brother. He said, this son of yours, <laughs> this son of yours comes back and you kill the fatted calf. But look at the love of the father. The love of the father not only showed compassion and love to the younger son, but he also showed love and compassion to the, to the, the older son. First of all, he took the time to come out and plead with him, amen? He came out and pleaded with him. Even though he was at the house, he was not in the house. He didn't really have the relationship that he thought he had with his father. Because if he really had a good relationship with his father, he would have known the love of the father. Amen. He would have known that all these years, his father was sitting out on the porch, taking time to look for his lost son that was in a faraway land. And that his love for his son, although he was gone, did not wane. It's so, it's so strange because if you understand anything about Hebrew tradition in those days, it wasn't a bad thing for the son to ask for his inheritance while his father was alive. Because sometimes that had to be done even if the, if the father could not manage his own affairs himself. He had gotten to the point where he couldn't manage his own affairs himself. What he would do is divide his goods among his sons, the older son getting a double portion, and the, others, the rest of the sons got a single portion. 
And so even though the father had already divided the goods between both sons, he tells the older son, son, you've been with me all these years. Everything I have is yours now. So if you wanted to kill a fat calf, you had the time to do it on your own. Amen? He could have killed the calf on his own and did whatever he wanted to because the father had given everything that he had to him. He was the manager of the estate. And when I look at this story, this, this story represents the Pharisees. This older son represents the Pharisees in this story. See, the Pharisees had everything already from God. They were the teachers of the law. They were, they were teachers. They already had everything that God had for them. They had the word of, the, of God. They had the land that God had placed them in. They had everything that God had promised them. They were, in the, they were at the house, but they weren't in his home. So what God had to do was get the Pharisees to recognize their own condition. They were lost, they were just as lost as the tax collectors and the sinners. They were actually lost because Jesus said, if you want to understand and summarize, and he summarized what the law was all about. He said, you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he said, the second law is this, love your neighbor and love your brother as yourself. Amen. But the attitude of the Pharisees was that the word of God was just for them. They didn't want to share it. They were critical. They put restraints on people above the law in which it burdened the people down. And the fact was that the things and the ordinances that they put on the people, they weren't even doing their own selves. They looked good on the outside, but on the inside, they were just as corrupt. They were just as cynical. They were just as hateful as the, as the other sinners. But they tried to put themselves on a pedestal. They tried to make themselves feel like they were more privileged than others. Now you have to understand that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were the religious leaders of the time. Amen? And what would it look like in our world today if our churches were like that? Amen? Oh, I know, I know this is going to get to some people, but God is showing us that it doesn't matter whether you are in a faraway land or you right here at his house. If you have not nourished and, and uh, 
built in your relationship with, a, with the Father, you can be just as lost. Even though you're saved, you can still be just as lost in the house. Amen? I don't know about you, and I don't, and I, I don't know how you see it, But sometimes we can get so critical and judgmental of people that we could put ourselves on a higher pedestal and feel like others are not acceptable. Amen? We see it in our society every day. We have so many issues that we have to deal with. And I don't know if you notice or heard the message that Bishop Matthews brought to us Sunday when he compared the lady with the issue of blood and the child who was dead on the table. It kind of fits this narrative here. Because see, anytime the scriptures speak of a woman, we can relate that to the church. Amen? And what he said was that the lady with the issue of blood had to be healed before the little girl who was sitting on the table had to be brought back to life. Because if the church hasn't overcome its issues, <laughs> how are we going to be able to welcome the influx and the harvest that God has for us from the world today. Because, see, the people out there in the world today, they might not look like us, they might not think like us, they might not act like us, they might not see things the way we do. We can't put restrictions on them, and we can't say that God doesn't love them just as much as he loves us. So before God can get us to a point to where we can deal with the harvest, we got to get rid of our own issues. Amen? We got to get rid of our own issues. We got to get rid of our Pharisaic type attitudes and be acceptable to those that God has ready to come into the heart and from the harvest. I know we don't have that in Bethel because if you look around, we have a little bit of everybody, amen? We get along, but I don't know about you, but sometimes we could get into that Pharisaic type attitude and mentalities and we have to be checked, amen? The, word's gonna, the word of God is gonna check us. The spirit of God is gonna check us, amen? And I'm so thankful that God is willing to look deep into the heart of man. See, we could fool one another. We could try to look good for one another. And we could fool one another. But we can't fool God. God looks in the inside of us. He looks at the heart. And he sees the things that need to be brought to our attention and the things that he wants to deal with in our lives. Amen. And even, the, even though we might be in the house, 
we ain't perfect. Even though we're in the house, we haven't arrived. We have to pick up our cross daily to follow him. Amen. God loves both, loved both sons. He loved the, the younger son who was in a faraway land. He loves the son who was in the house. But even the son that was in the house didn't see himself as a son because he said, I've slayed for you all these years. I, did, I never went against any of your commandments and I did everything that you asked me to do. But I remember a scripture that Jesus brought out to some of the people in the crowd when he, when he said that some of you are going to say that you did this in his name and you did that in his name. Amen? And his reply was, depart from me because I know you're not. See, people are doing a lot of things in the name of Jesus, but are they really walking with Jesus? All through history, there had been a lot of horrific things done in the name of Jesus. But those people really weren't the sons of Jesus. Just like the Pharisees, they were selfish. Just like the Pharisees, they were only out for themselves. Sometimes I used to sit back and I wonder why would Jesus call these Pharisees and these teachers of the law snakes and vipers? <laughs> because that's what he constantly called them. You snakes, you're nothing but a bunch of snakes. You're nothing but a bunch of vipers. Well, let me tell you what a snake would do. A snake would sneak up on its prey. And what he'll do is he'll attack the prey and, 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 and bite him and put in his venom. And then what, he'll do, what a snake will do is he'll coil himself around his prey and squeeze him until, he's died, until he dies. And then he'll devour him. When Jesus called the Pharisees snakes and vipers, he, he was looking at their attitudes. He was looking at their actions because basically what they were doing is they were, they were supposed to be helping the people but instead what they were doing is they were getting rich off the people. And whenever God would send a prophet out to preach to them and, and talk to them, they wouldn't listen to the prophet because the prophet didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. And even now, in this parable, when Jesus was talking about the older son, you can bet that the Pharisees recognized that they were, Jesus was talking about them. They knew Jesus was talking about them. Because instead of them accepting what Jesus said, they continued, they continued, and they continued to try to find a way of finding something to get rid of Jesus because he was bucking their system. He was, he was, he was pretty much putting aside all their 
strategic plans of gain. But they had to be, they had to be brought back into fellowship. They had to be brought back. Just like the father accepted the younger son, the older son had to realize he needed to be accepted too. See, the, 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 old, the younger son realized that he needed salvation. The older son already thought he had it. But he, somewhere along the line, he lost it. And what the father was trying to get the, young, the older son to recognize is that there's joy with your salvation. Amen? Amen. And in that joy, there should be some celebration. And even though the older son was with the father, he had all that the father had somewhere along the line, he had lost his joy. When the father offered the salvation to the younger son, the younger son accepted. But in the story, when the father offered the older son to come back into the, come into the house with them, it stops there. And I wonder, did the, young, did the older son accept the invitation? Jesus doesn't say the reason why he doesn't say is now it's a choice that you have to make. He wasn't going to force him to come into the house. But it was up to him to make the choice as to whether or not he was going to come in. And that's what God is doing with us. It doesn't matter whether you're new to the faith or you've been in the faith for 30, 40, 50 years. God always has an open invitation. Amen. He always has an open invitation to come to his banquet table. Amen. David said it best because when he had gotten to a point where he was down in his relationship with God, he prayed in Psalms 51, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose the joy of it. And what these Psalms, what these parables in, in, in uh, chapter 15 of Luke is dealing with is the joy of the Father, the joy of the Father. Because what we see here is there's joy in being found. There's joy in being redeemed. And there's joy in being affirmed. The younger son needed to be redeemed at the most. But what the Old, young older son needed was some affirmation because he had lost that. He had lost the fact that he was still a son 
in the house. And when I say son, I'm, I'm not talking gender specific. I'm talking about sons and daughters. Because see, God loves everyone. It doesn't matter what color you are, your culture background. It doesn't matter about the things that we are dealing with in our society today with race relations and cultural differences and political differences and all those things. That doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is how we treat one another. How we love one another. Matter of fact, he says in, in John, how can you love God whom you've never seen if you can't love your brothers and sisters who you see every day? Amen? And so I know sometimes it gets hard to love like God loves. Amen? Unconditionally, because, yeah, people do get on your nerves sometimes. <laughs> People make you angry sometimes. Your brothers and your sisters make you angry sometimes. But, in the, but through it all, we got to love. Amen. We have to love one another. Don't get caught up in what the world is struggling with today. It doesn't matter about race. The only, thing, the only race that matters to God is the human race. And I, and I dare you to do one thing, amen? Try, try this one time if you ever, the next time you go out and, and, and fill out an application or fill out some kind of, some kind of uh, survey that asks, what race are you? I dare you to, to check other and say human and see what happens, amen? <laughs> it might start a trend. It might make you stop trying to use one of those choices that the world gives you and, and use the choice that God gives you. Amen. So I call this not the parable of the lost son, but the forgot. We, we're talking about the forgotten son. Maybe we forget that the man had two sons. Or maybe we just don't want to deal with the fact that the other son could be us. Like I said earlier, when I was asked to preach, I was going in one direction and I pretty much had everything all together until God said, uh-uh, we're going to go this route. I was laying in bed Saturday morning And God woke me up in the middle of the night. I don't know if I was dreaming. I don't know what, but I just know that God placed this in my spirit. And when I woke up, I had tears in my eyes because I, I was convicted. <laughs> I was convicted because never did I see myself as being the older son. And God had to deal with my own spirit first before I could preach this message, amen? I had to take a long look at myself. And now he's asking you, take a long look at yourself. 
and see if you be in fellowship with him. Look at your own life and see if God is trying to get you to deal with some issues that you have. Because see, in order for the church to get right, the people in the church got to get right. Amen. In order for us to be able to accept the harvest that God has for us, we got to get right. We got to get right with him. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the church, we still have some issues that we have to deal with. Amen. And I just hear God, I don't know who this message is for. It could be for some, just a specific person. It could be for all of us. I know it was for me. But I don't, I don't want to leave you without the opportunity to come to the altar if God has convicted you, if the Spirit of God has convicted you as they come to the music, and I begin to close, if God and the Word of God has convicted you in any kind of way, the altars are open. Or you can make an altar right there at your seat. If you're in need of prayer and you want someone to agree with you in prayer, our prayer team, as our prayer team comes, our prayer team is here. God is trying to tell us something. He's knocking at the door of our hearts. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. It doesn't matter whether you're new to the church or how long you've been in the church. It doesn't matter. The praise team sang that song that we're looking for Jesus to come back. Amen. But he's coming back for a church with no spots, no blemishes. He's coming back for a church that's in unison with one another because before he left, he prayed to the Father. Let them be one as you and I are one. He's not concerned about denominations. He's not concerned about certain theologies and stuff. All he's concerned about is do you believe in him? And are you to follow him? I pray that you have been convicted. I can pray that you have been moved by this message. It's not always easy to accept the word of God in our lives. The word of God is like a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. And if it's cutting to the heart of your soul, if it's cutting to the heart of your spirit, I would not hesitate to make sure that I'm in right relationship with God. We're going to ask you to come. We're going to ask you to come. As the choir and the praise team comes and sings, Father, we bless your holy name. We praise you. We glorify you. We lift you up because you are sovereign. You are great God. You are loving God. You are God that's full of mercy and grace. 
and your grace is sufficient for us oh God and father we pray that you will search out the hearts of your people and those things that are not like you that you would bring it to their sight forefront oh heavenly father that they might hear what your spirit is saying that they might respond to your call that they might realize that there's a need for you in their lives oh heavenly father a need for you to bring peace to bring joy to bring back the joy of your salvation to us oh God and Lord let us not be weary in well doing let us not get bitter let us not be angry with our brothers and sisters but let us realize that we are all in this together we need one another just like we need you We pay, pray, for Lord, that you bring forth deliverance. You bring forth healing. You bring forth salvation and redemption to your people. That the love that you have for us will flow into our hearts. And that the love that you have, we will continue to show towards you, oh God and toward others for you said in your word Lord that the world would know us as your disciples by the way we love one another so help us to love as you love oh God help us to live as you want us to live oh God that you might receive all the honor all the glory and all the praise and it's in Jesus name we humbly pray amen amen let us praise the Lord today Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center.